Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We hope you can step away from this message being encouraged and blessed and to move into your week in the mighty name of Jesus. Have a great day. Acts chapter 6. I asked uh, Smith this morning when he woke up. He woke up a little early, so I got him up and uh, he said, I want to watch Monster Trucks. And I was like, I'm working on my sermon. You're going to sit with me. So uh, he was looking at, my, at the computer and I said, Smith, is daddy going to preach good today? He said, no. <laughs> so sorry, but you know, you're here now. You might as well stay, I guess. We're continuing our series that we started a couple weeks ago called The Church God Builds. I'm the only one excited about it. It's called The Church God Builds. <laughs> yeah, we are walking through the book of Acts, uh, sort of jumping around a lot, talking a lot, focusing on the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, I had you turn to Acts chapter 6. Um, the book of Acts, for, for those of you who may be new to the Bible or, or those of you who think you know everything about the Bible, but we don't, amen. I mean, we just got something to learn every time. But here, let's talk about what the book of Acts is real quick. It, the book of Acts chronicles, it's, a, it's sort of a documentary of the birth of the church. After Jesus uh, takes on flesh and bone, the Son of God, becomes human. He lives his life. He dies the death that we owed. He raises from the grave. And that's amazing and good news. <laughs> so what happens next? What happens next? How many of you know the story wasn't over when Jesus came out of the grave? Somebody say, it's just getting started. <laughs> it's just getting started. And so he ascends to be back with the Father in Acts chapter 1. And the rest of the book of Acts is full of some wild stuff. Some really wild stuff. And I want you to know this morning that the book of Acts is not just stories of things that happened a long time ago. It's actually a blueprint for the church that God builds. It's a blueprint for you and for me and for us and for believers who call on the name of Jesus today to have heaven touch earth. It's a blueprint for what God wants to do in us and through us and in you and through you. How he, wants to, how he wants to work in your neighborhood. How he wants to work in your workplace. How he wants to work in your family. It's a blueprint. Somebody say it's a blueprint. It's a blueprint. Just touch your neighbor and tell him that means you too. That means you too. This church thing is not just a social club, right? It's not just a social club. Jesus is alive. And we are all invited. We are all invited to participate in the things that he is doing and the things that he wants to do. I'm not invited because I'm a pastor. We're all invited because we're human. <laughs> we're invited because we're human beings. We're human beings that God loves, that, that God knows, that God calls. We're, we're, we're human beings that God wants to forgive of our sins and, and make us born again by the power of his spirit. He, 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 wants us, he wants us to be born again so that the old can pass away and so that some new things can come in. He wants to fill you with his spirit so that you can have power to do the things that he's called you to do in your life. He, he, he wants to use you because you're not alone. He wants to use you because you're not too far. He wants to use you because you're not too messed up. You're not too average. You're right where you need to be today. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you in power. And he wants you to respond to the next thing that he puts in front of you and take just that one next step as he leads you in your life. God's building his church. And God wants to use you. I want to preach a message to you this morning. I've got a little subtitle. Can we do a subtitle this morning? Write this at the top of your notes. Forget what I said it was. The process of community. 
the process of community. I want to talk about the church God builds and the process of community. Community is sort of a, we'll call it a buzzword right now in our world. Community is a word that gets thrown around a lot, at least, at least in us millennials. I don't know if it's been like an every generational thing, but us millennials love that word. Community. Community. Uh, everybody talks about community. Everything promises community. Everywhere offers community. We all want to celebrate community, and we all want to be a part of a community, and yet we're lonely. We're drawn to community, and we talk about it, and it's promised, and it's guaranteed, and it's encouraged, and it's celebrated, and yet we're lonely. Suicide rates rise. Relationships stay shallow and fall apart. We're a part of so many communities, right? We're so many communities. Everywhere we look, it's our gym, it's our neighborhood, it's our hobbies, it's our interests, it's every different social media platform. And in the midst of so many communities that we find ourselves a part of, we are still searching for what we're really looking for. We have found what we thought we wanted, and yet we're still searching. I don't know about you this morning, but if you're still searching, it's okay. (laughs) You're in the right spot. I think that there's this lie that goes around that says, I'm the only one searching. You're not. So, be encouraged. I could go into that, but it's just that easy. Like, you're not. Just look at your neighbor. Don't say anything. Don't touch them. Just look at them. They're not perfect. Somebody say amen. It's my conviction that church, the church that God builds is the community that we all want, even though sometimes it's not the way we want it. I want to talk to you this morning about the process of community. In Acts chapter 6, we're going to read a handful of verses um, I think there was a verse I was supposed to read here a second ago, but I don't remember what it was, so we're just going to keep going. I want to give you a recap of what's been going on leading up here to Acts chapter 6, in case you've never read Acts before or didn't read the whole thing this week. What happens leading up to Acts chapter 6? So Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends. So the Gospels happen, that's the chronicles of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends to be with the Father. So God in flesh and bone looks at his followers and says, I know this is amazing that I'm here right now in your presence, but it's actually going to be better for you when I leave because I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I'm not going to be with you in the flesh, but I'm going to fill you by the spirit because I'm not just going to be with you in relationship and we can look back and say, man, it's it would have been nice to know Jesus in the flesh, but how about we know him in the spirit? He's inside of us. And he makes this promise, and they're like, that makes no sense, but okay. And we, they can't do anything about it because he floats away or something. He is, he, whatever the ascension was, I, don't, I wasn't there. So I don't know how it went down, but it happened. And they're like, okay, looking at each other, what do we do now? The last thing he said was wait. Wait for this promise of the Father. Wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit. That was a new thing. They, they didn't quite know what that meant before. That had never happened before. So they find themselves confused at the end of Acts chapter 1. They're in a room together. It says they're praying. I have a feeling they also probably did a lot of staring at each other too and stuff, you know? So Acts chapter 2 comes. His followers are in this room. They have no idea what's coming. But what Jesus said would happen, happens. The Holy Spirit comes. 
Acts chapter 2, in the first few verses there, the Holy Spirit comes. He comes just as Jesus promised that He would come. He comes in power. He comes with power. And the good news of the kingdom of God is preached to an entire city. And 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus and are baptized in one day. That's normal church growth. That's just a normal day following God. So that's, that's what we're gearing up for. I pull up every Sunday. Maybe today's the day, Lord. Amen? Go to work on Tuesday. Say, maybe today's the day, Lord. Mm. So just be ready for it. Because God doesn't just come on pastors. He comes on his people. And he can, Pentecost can happen in you. So just tell the 3,000 people closest to you in your life to watch out. <laughs> Acts chapter 3 and 4. The church is born in Acts chapter 2, Acts 3 and 4, chronicles a few things that happened. Some leaders in the early church, they, uh, they, they kind of they run into this guy, they heal this crippled man. It's this amazing uh, thing that happens. It becomes this great big spectacle. Everybody throws a fuss about it. They end up getting arrested for it. They find themselves in, under trial by a bunch of people who hate them. So that's not fun. So they get beaten, and that's a hard day. So in response... Uh, to being arrested, they just begin to pray. And, and God ends up or making them get released from prison. And they go back to the houses where the rest of the church was praying for them to get released. And they come into the room. And I found the verse I was going to read earlier that is actually supposed to be read now, Acts chapter 4. It says what happened after this healing and arrest and beating and freeing. This is how they respond to such an environment in Acts 4, 29 through 31. It says they got together and they they prayed. They didn't get discouraged. They got together and they prayed. And they said this to the Lord. They said, and now, Lord, look upon their threats out there and grant your servants us to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you, so it's, we're going to speak the word with boldness. And God, here's what we're asking you to do. While you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do you know Jesus is alive? He still heals. He still does signs and wonders. He still stretches out his mighty hand. And verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Sometimes God shakes you. Sometimes it's the response to your prayer that shakes you. And it's scary and uncomfortable, and it feels like the walls are going to come down, but sometimes it's still God. Anyways, they prayed, and the place where they were gathered together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. I don't know the church background you come from. Some people walk in here, and they're like, dang, these people are crazy. They like all raise their hands, and somebody was whistling during worship and all that kind of stuff, but it's nothing. It's nothing, right? Nothing compared to that. We actually hung these speakers with a bunch of hardware that's like many times stronger than they need to be just for whenever this happens. Because <laughs> when the building can shake, but we don't want things to fall on people. So we're just getting ready. Amen? We're getting ready. So when the building shakes, stay where you are. It's God, and it's going to be all right. 
Acts 4 continues, chapter 5 continues, talking about the power, chronicling the power that the people of God were walking in, the impact they had on their city, people caring for one another, their city being blown away by their character, by their impact, by the power they walked in. There's this crazy story where this couple actually falls dead in the presence of God for lying to the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of crazy, and I could have skipped over it, but it's in there, so I didn't, so that's a weird one. Um, so, like, moral of the story, I guess don't do that. Uh, more arrests and miraculous freedom from jail. All kinds of crazy things happen. And so I don't know what the timeline is exactly of Acts chapter 2 through 5, like how much of a time frame that actually covers. All I know is it's crazy. Church is wild. It's a community in process. And Acts chronicles us what was the process like for these people as they follow Jesus. Jesus is building his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, no one has ever seen it before. No one has ever heard of it before. Nobody knows what to call it. Nobody knows what to do with it. But it's happening. It's in process. The process has started. Something's happening. We don't know what the end product is, but we're in the middle of the process. You ever been in the middle of something? I want to learn from this community. I want to be this community. If that's all allowed, well then, let's do it. So Acts chapter 6 picks up the story that I've just overviewed for us. And so we're going to read a handful of verses. And uh, I figure I'm just going to read kind of through this and preach it as we go and see how much time we have left over to actually go through my notes. How's that sound? <laughs> so Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, this was a community that was growing. It grew. The church God builds, a community in process is a growing church. It's a community that grows. The church God builds is a growing church. And that's exciting. So they got a lot going on in the book of Acts. There's, there's miracles, there's signs and wonders and all these sort of things. And they're growing. In the middle of all the craziness, people keep showing up. People give, keep giving their lives to Jesus. People keep getting baptized. Sounds like some things have been happening around here recently. They're growing. They're growing and it's exciting. The growth is awesome and the growth is good. And a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. Because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. It was good and it was great and a complaint. And a complaint arose by some people in the community. Have you ever, uh, I'm not going to ask, complained in community? Heard of a complaint? Knew somebody one time who had a complaint about something? See, part of the process, part of the process of being the community of God was growth. It was part of the process. Part of the process was growth, and then as growth happened, when there was more people, there was more activity, and the, the more activity, there's, there's more action, there's, there's more things going on, and so I, I want you to know, as you're a part of a church that God is building, that you can expect it to grow, and you can expect more people to show up, and more things to start happening, and more action to happen, more things going on, and you can expect some more complaining. You can expect some more complaining. Growth is great, but how many of you know it's not always comfortable? It's not always comfortable. So when, when your grass grows, you got to cut it. When a bush grows, you got to prune it. When a child's growing, you got to feed them. When a relationship is growing, you have to nurture it. 
Growth is great, but it takes work. And when a community is growing, there's going to be some gaps. There's some gaps in this community. I mean, come on now. This is Acts. Like, this is the Bible. And they had issues. God's moving. God's shaking buildings. He's healing cripples. He's sending angels to open up prisons and set people free who are in chains sitting between guards. And the guards didn't even know the people were gone until the next morning. How do you miss that? God's moving. And there's some gaps. Because there's a lot going on. There's some good stuff going on. But there was some gaps. In the midst of everything going on, there was still more to do. They were working, but there was still more work to be done. As we grow, don't be surprised if there are some gaps in our church. If there's some gaps in this community in process. You might be here this morning. You might walk in and because of where you're at or just how you're wired or all this sort of thing. You walk in and you see a gap. Yeah. There's some gaps. There's some gaps. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised as we go through this process of God building our church if you have some things to complain about along the way. In fact, expect it. You are going to have some things to complain about. And so will I. You can expect it. I'm expecting it. It's okay. It's just part of the process. Verse 2. And when the 12, uh, so the 12, so, so they got this thing going on. Some people start complaining about this need. And I just, it's good that there was a complaint. I like that they use the word complaint. I don't know what the Hebrew or Greek or whatever, but it's complaint. Um, because sometimes complaining gets like a really bad reputation. And that's sometimes because complaining is really lame <laughs> and like annoying. But they were complaining about something that was super legitimate. So like. Don't always get mad when somebody complains. I'm trying to not always get mad when I have something to complain about. Sometimes it's legitimate, right? And so I appreciate that just as like uh, the, the leaders, it says the 12 summon the full number of the disciples. And they said, so they get everybody together and they weren't like, hey, no, this is church. It's perfect. Don't worry about it. I love that they're like, yeah, we got gaps. Let's talk about it. I don't know if the people who complained about it said it perfectly or brought it up perfectly, but what they were bringing up was right. So let's talk about it. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples. And they said, it's not right that we should give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables. So they get everybody together. And I'm encouraged by that because uh, if there was a script, they wouldn't have had to summon everybody. Like if there was a book that could just tell them, oh, we're on step six now. Then they wouldn't have had to pull everybody together and say, we got a problem. What do we do? What does everybody think? Like, you don't need to ask that question when it's, a script, when it's scripted, right? They had never led a growing church before. They they they'd never been a part of a growing church. There was never a church before. <laughs> so all this stuff was new. And so the people bring it up, and they're like, we've got more to do. And they're like, yeah, you're right. And so they say to the leaders, what do we do? And they're like, that's a good question. What do you think we do? <laughs> let's, let's figure this out. So things were great, but things weren't perfect. How many of you know things can be great, but they don't have to be perfect? Sometimes it's good to celebrate some things that are going great instead of just focusing on the things that aren't perfect. Everybody ever needed that in a relationship with anybody in your life? Have you ever noticed that if you just get distracted by the things that complain about, you miss out on a lot of things that are actually going really great? 
And there's a good discipline that we can have as the people of God to like, yes, let's complain about the necessary things that we've got to bring up and that we've got to talk about and that we've got to grow in. Let's talk about the work that needs to be done in me or in you or us or, or in the world or this leader or that leader. or Okay, things aren't perfect, but can we find some things to celebrate that are pretty great? And like a person's always great. They may not be doing great, but they're great. Jesus loves them and they're great. God's like, that person is great. There's greatness in them. Let's love the greatness out. <laughs> so they did that. They pulled everyone together because uh, we've got work to do. They, they wouldn't have pulled everybody together if they had work to do. They pulled everybody together because we've got work to do. We've got work to do together as we go through this process of building this community. And we need to figure out what we do now. They started with 12 it went to 120 people. Then all of a sudden, bang, it's at 3,000. They had whatever they had at this point. I don't know, miracles, signs, wonders, generosity, impact, feeding the poor. Absolutely amazing, but there's more to do. There's a lot that's great, but there's more to do. And there's still more to do. So they pull everyone together, and they say this in, in verse 2. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. What they're saying is uh, we, we've done what we know to do. We knew that part. We knew the prayer and the preaching part. Like, that was... That was pretty clear from the beginning. Now things are getting a little bit more complex. So we've done what we know to do, and there's still more to do. So we can't stop doing what we've already started doing in order to do what still needs to be done. So how are we going to keep doing what we're already doing and do what else needs to be done? Let's talk about that. <laughs> we need to have a conversation. How do we do it all? Because we're not. We're doing great, but there's more. Verse 3 says, therefore, they continue saying, therefore, brothers, they're talking to the church. They say, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint, whom, excuse me, whom we will appoint to this duty. We need some more leaders. We need some more people, he says. We, we need some more human capital some human resources, some human capacity. If, if you're leading a business this morning and you need some people, go to God and pray. He knows how to need people. He knows how to make a way. If you're, if you're here this morning and you could use some new friends, I want to encourage you to pray and say, God, I need some people. Sometimes you just need people. And you need to pull people together and say, I need some people. You need to go to God and say, God, I need some people. I need the right people. I need some people in my life. There's some things that I'm doing that I'm making some progress in, but I need to make better progress. I've got to take my next step, and I sure could use some people around me to help do it. I'm doing great, but I'm not doing perfect. I need some people. Anybody ever needed some people in your life? And so they come to God, and they say they come to church, and they say, I need people. I want to invite you to come to church and say, hey, I need some people. I'll be a person, and I need some people. You already looked at your neighbor and I told you they're not perfect, so don't worry about it. You walk into an environment like this and there's this lie that happens when we, that we tell ourselves, it's like, well, if I'm here, I better be perfect because everybody else is. No, we're a community in process. And so sometimes we need people. All the time, we need people. You're not there to be alone. You're not there, you're not here to be alone. You can't do what you're called to do alone. We need people. So let's all get together and let's talk about needing each other. They pull everybody together. We've got more to do. We've got more to do. You've got more to do. There's more to do. Things are happening. Your life is growing. Your kids are growing. Your season of life is changing. And you need people around you. 
And so let's pull everybody together. It says, summon, let's summon everybody together. Pull together. Pull together in church. Get some people around you, and let's do what needs to be done. Amen? They had some needs, and those needs needed people. We have needs, and our needs need people. Sometimes we need a friend. We need somebody. They needed to uh, find some people. They needed to find some people. They needed to empower some people. They needed to resource some people, train some people. Uh, they needed some, some people. Is anybody sitting next to a person? Look at your neighbor and say, you're needed. You're needed. You're needed. You're not just here. You're needed. So they get together and they tell church. We, they tell the church basically the conversation is we, we can't have a few people do everything. And honestly, we don't need everyone to do everything. But we do need seven guys who can do something. I'm going to say it again because nobody wrote it down. You didn't know that that was going to be a really good part about to come out. <laughs> they said, we don't need a few people to do everything. And we don't need everyone to do everything. We need seven guys who can do something. We need seven guys who can do something. I, I, we just need seven people. We don't need everybody. We, we, we need seven people who can do something. Not, not seven experts. Not seven people who know everything. Not seven people who know how to do everything. Seven people who can do something. Seven people in the room shout something for me. Something. 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 If you want God to use you, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be able to do everything. God's just looking for someone who's willing to do something. Something. God says, will you let me use you for something? Will you, will you let me do something with you? God's got the plans. God's got the power. God's got the ability, the understanding, the big picture. You don't need everything. He's just saying, will you let me do something? Can we do something? He calls your name. Can we do something? Well, I don't know everything. I don't know how it all works out. You don't have to know how it all works out. Can I just have you do something? I just need seven people who are willing to do something. I might just have me to offer, and me's not a lot, but it's something. It's something. I, I might not know all that God wants me to know, but for now, I can do some things that I know he wants me to do. I don't know everything he wants me to do, but I can do the something I, know, I do know. I do know something. So it's not a lot, but it's something. Something might not be great, but something's a start. Something might not be perfect, but it's not nothing. Something isn't everything, but something is enough. I find it interesting as it goes on. Have I read this verse yet? I don't think I did. Yeah, let's revisit verse 3. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit, and of wisdom. I think it's interesting that it doesn't say we need seven guys passionate about feeding Hellenist widows. We need seven guys gifted in feeding widows. If it's your gift, we need you. We need seven guys that have a good reputation, that are full of the Holy Spirit, and are full of wisdom. See, the church that God builds isn't a community built on passion or gifting. The church God builds is built on character. And how many of you know character is a process? <laughs> character is a process. God will use passion, God will use gifting, but he builds on character. He builds on character. Can I talk to someone this morning who wants to be used by God? See, 
This is for the people who really want to be used by God. It might not be everybody in the room, but we're just going to cut straight to it. We're not messing around. Amen? Because this character thing is for real. It's for real. And, and the passion and the gifting is awesome. But God's building a church with character. He's building a church on character. And when he builds his church, it's one that hell can't take down. And uh, that's good. <laughs> and so we need some character. And, you know, I, I'm personally not all that worried about our church growing. I'm not all that enamored by gifting. I'm not all that impressed with passion, whether it's in somebody else or honestly, whether it's in me. Like if I get passionate about something, I've lost a lot of trust in that passion, honestly, over the years because I've been passionate about a few number of things. And uh, I can't even remember what they were. But what fascinates me personally and corporately is character because I believe God's fascinated by character. I think, I think, I think he's fascinated by it. See, we'll work out the growth as a church. It'll work. Acts 5, 39, uh, we don't have it up on the screens, but there's this enemy of the church. He's talking to his posse who are also enemies of the church. And he says this, he says, if this undertaking is from men, it'll fail. But if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. I believe God's for his church. So we're on the right side of that equation. The growth, okay, we'll work on it. And there's things to do and all that kind of stuff, but it'll work. And, And I want gifting. I want gifting personally. I want us to be a church full and working in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But, and, and it's for us. Gifts are for us to hunger for. But the nature of gifts is that they're given. Gifts are a God thing, right? And he gives gifts to all of us really generously. So, so honestly, just by being here, like we're already in a room full of gifted people. There's a lot of gifting in this room. We're, we're living in a world full of gifted people. And when God needs somebody to use, because he's the giver of all gifts, he can grab some fishermen and some tax collectors and some prostitutes and fill them with the Holy Ghost and get done what he wants to get done. God can take care of the gifting. God's got the gifting he needs to get done what he wants to get done. The world is not lacking people of passion. The world is not lacking people of gifting, people with good ideas, people with excitement. But the world is hungry for some people with character. And the Bible says heaven, the eyes of heaven, they're searching to and fro throughout the earth, searching for some people whose hearts are fully given to him. The world's hungry for character. Heaven's looking for character that that heaven can pour out heaven on like on earth as it is in heaven. Some people, heaven's looking for some people, God's looking for some people of good reputation. Not complainers or slanderers or cheaters, not lazy or rude or inconsistent. He's he's looking for some people full of the Holy Spirit, not not full of jealousy, full of comparison, full of insecurity, full of hatred, full of selfish ambition. God's looking for some people. Heaven's looking for some people full of wisdom, not chasing the approval of everybody who's around them, not shifting with the shifting opinions of the world that they live in. God's looking for some people with some character because God builds on character. If you want to be used by God, let him build your character because here's the deal. God can fuel your passion. God can increase your gifting, but only you can choose your character. That's your part of the game, just the character piece. We'll jump in back with everybody now. If you don't want to be used by God, ignore that last part. <laughs> read, uh, we're going to read verses 4 and 5 here as we continue here. Where are we at? It's full of the spirit of wisdom. Here we go. Verse 4. If you're there, say I'm there. 
But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and I don't know how to say that, okay, and Timon, praise the Lord, and Perneas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Okay, eccentric group of guys, apparently. I love that the whole church agreed on these seven guys. I think that's amazing. And what they said pleased the whole gathering and they, the whole gathering chose these seven guys. I want to be someone people can agree on. Amen. Amen. I want to be at church, somebody that people can agree on. What I mean is you can debate about somebody's gifts, right? You can debate about do they have this gifting or that gifting? Are they good at this or good at that? You can have a conversation about that. You can question people's passion. You can have a conversation about people's style and personality and way of going about things. But you can't argue with character. Character is something we can agree on. When it's there, we all know it's there. I want to be a man that they can agree on, that they can agree on. Verse 6, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. They prayed and laid their hands on them. If you, if you read Acts chapter 1, you see them also pray and lay their hands on the guy that they're replacing in the kind of apostolic order to replace Judas the betrayer. So when they needed an apostle, they lay hands and pray on him. And when they need somebody to help with some practical stuff, they lay hands and they pray on him. Everybody gets the same prayer. Everybody gets the same sending. Everybody gets the same spirit, the same sending, the same power, the same anointing, the same value. In the body of Christ, the community, and the, the church that God builds. This is exactly what happened in Acts chapter 1 because the practical stuff is just as important as the apostolic stuff. Different roles don't mean different value. You need to know this morning, whatever God's called you to, He called you to it. He called you to it. And if He's going to go through the effort and intentionality to knit you together in your mother's womb, to die on a cross for your redemption, to raise from the dead, to give you new life, and fill you with His Spirit, to empower you to this thing that He called you to, it must be important. Verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and many of the priests became obedient to the faith. They were growing. They had some problems. It caused them to mature, and so more people kept coming which probably meant they had some more problems. You can just read the rest of the book. It can be easy to read through the highlight reel of the book of Acts and want that church. Want that church. It's easy to want that product, but it's hard to understand that the church that we so admire, the individuals that we so admire, are not so much a product as they are a process. It's a community in process. Sometimes we see church more as a product to consume than a process to participate in. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, we meet this man, Stephen, one of these seven guys. He's in the same community as the people in verse 1. He, but, but Stephen and the others, but Stephen in verse 5 and the people in verse 1, they, they have the same community, the same issues to deal with. Both had the same issues to complain about, but they both responded differently than each other to the same exact thing. See, when community is a product, complaints are areas to be concerned about. When community is a process, Complaints are areas to contribute to. Stephen said, yeah, we do have a problem. I'll help. I'm not going to pretend like the problem's not there and say this is perfect. It's not. I'll just jump in. I may not be gifted about feeding widows, but... 
Stephen was a guy looking to contribute because he knew his community was in process. And the way he knew his community was in process was because he knew he was in process. He knew he was in process. And he knew the person next to him was in process. And when you get a room full of people in process, you have a community that's in process. It's not a separate entity from the people who are in the room. We're all the same thing. Like community isn't this thing out there that like we're all trying to get to. It's not the product we're going for. It's the process we're in. And we're in process because we are all in process. Stephen knew he was in process. See, look at the list. Okay, let's revisit this list. The type of guy that the church was looking for to help with this situation. He, they needed guys with a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. Now, come on now. Stephen did not show up to church the first time. Satisfying that list of requirements. I'm the only one that didn't show up to church the first time. Already with a great reputation and full of the Holy Spirit and just leaking with wisdom. Okay, me and Stephen both know what it is to get saved. It's the first church ever. They're all new believers. Come on now. Come on. I know you didn't show up to church the first time fitting that description. I know I didn't. We got saved because we're not those things. <laughs> and now this life we're living is the process of becoming those things. These products in Stephen came through a process. Acts 2, verse 46, it, this, if you've ever been to Life Group, you, you better have read it a few times. It says this in Acts 2, verse 46, day by day, and day by day. And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, and every day. Day by day, it's a process. There's moments, but it's a process. There's moments of encounter, but transformation is day to day. There's moments of introduction, but relationship is day to day. There's moments of revelation, but fruit is in the day to day. There's moments of freedom, but living free is day to day. There's moments where you meet Jesus, but knowing Jesus, it's every day. There's going to church for a moment, but, but being the church, building the church, it's day to day. God will use you in moments, but God is always taking you through a process. Church is a community in process, which means you don't have to be perfect today, and it means that you don't have to be where you were yesterday, and it means there's hope for tomorrow, because we're in process. How many of you know I'm in process? I'm in process. Tell your neighbor just real quick, I'm in process. I, I, I'm in process. Now look back at him and say, I know you are. <laughs> no kidding. I, I, I'm not where I'm going. I'm not where I'm going yet. I'm in process, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm in process. Just because I'm in process doesn't mean I'm not a finished product. This is important. I'm going too long, but this is important, so I'm going to keep saying it. Band, come on up. It'll help me, it'll help me stop sooner. <laughs> just because I'm in process, just because you're in process doesn't mean you're not a finished product. Listen to me closely. When, you, when, my, when my kids were born, they began the process of becoming the people God made them to be. But they were my children the, moting, the moment they were conceived. Smith is becoming a man, but he's already my son. Rose is becoming a woman, but she's already my daughter. When you get saved, you're adopted. You're a child of God. 
you have an inheritance. You call God Father. You can approach the throne of grace with confidence this morning. You are a child that God loves, and you're in process. When you got saved, you began the process of becoming the man that God's called you to be, the woman that God's called you to be. You may not be where you're headed, but you are who God says that you are, and you're becoming the one who God says you will be. You're in process, and you're a finished product. I'm in process, and God loves me. You're in process, and God loves you. And if you're in process, and I'm in process, and God loves you, and God loves me, let's love each other through the process. We're going to have some things to complain about and talk about. But let's be like Stephen. Let's be like Stephen and say, okay, there's an ideal out there, absolutely. And I care about it enough to commit to the process. I'll be part of the process because I need a process. I need a process. Let's, let's go for the moments. Let's believe for the moments, but let's commit to the process. Day by day, every day, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Have some meals, show up at church, help each other out, get helped out. How are you gonna build relationships that you hold on to for the next 10 years before you go through the next 10 years? Day by day, every day. Don't look around at the people around you who have so much relational history and walk in this room and say, oh, I'm on the outside. No, you're not, you're in process. You know, like it's not, it's not bad if somebody who's got five years of relational history feels like they've got five years more relational history than you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not weird. You're not on the outside. It's not clicky. It's just process. You can, you can do today, every day, day by day. We're in process. Stephen shows us that if we want to get to where we want to go, we got to keep showing up. If we want the product, Let's go through the process. Keep showing up. When it's great, let's show up. When it's good, let's show up. When there's some things to complain about, let's show up. Let's embrace the process. We are God's children. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we're in process. Because building is a process. Let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to worship as we close this morning. I'm going to have our prayer team come on up. We always have some people available to pray with you. We believe in hearing the word of God, and we believe in responding to the word of God. You don't need to get to the end of the road today, but if the Lord's highlighting your next step in the process, just take it. You might need somebody to pray for you. You might need to turn from something. You might need to leave something behind. You might need to run into something. I don't know what it is. I don't have some big list today. If God is leading you on your next step of the process, you know. <laughs> and we're going to worship. And we're going to say, Holy Spirit, come. Whether you come up to the front or stay in your seat, we can all take a next step. Because how many of you know we're all in process? Lord, we love you so much. And as we lift up your name, we're asking that you continue to speak. Lord, we're making ourselves available to be moved. Would you move us forward? Would you move us in the next thing that you're calling us to do? Would you give us humility and faith right now to say yes, Lord, yes to whatever it is. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to become that product, that child of God, saved and redeemed, set free, and begin the process of the calling of God on your life. Now's your moment. Come up and let somebody pray with you. Anything else, feel free. Come up. These moments and these last few minutes are filled with miracles every week. Powerful words from God, encouragement by the Holy Spirit. 
we believe in the last five minutes of church. So God, would you come and would you move? Would you move in power in Jesus' name?